Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to get into Proverbs chapter number 14. In this Wisdom Wednesday of Proverbs chapter number 14, and every single one of these verses, bar just a few, have excellent, excellent points uh, within them, and, and getting through them all in one day would be impossible, but we will cover some highlights, which are really exciting. Uh, within this chapter, and I would just encourage you, because a lot of these things are just plain old common sense right off the page and into your heart reality. So, with that, let's turn to the Lord in prayer, and we'll get through the reading of the chapter and look at a few points. Father, we are grateful for your blessing. We thank you, Lord, for chapters like this in Proverbs 14 because they they simply testify to reality in our heart. And Father, if we choose not to realize or we try to not understand what is written there because it, it cuts too deep, that's one issue. But the reality of not being able to escape what is said is certain for every soul that reads this chapter. And so we pray that you will bless us as we go through it that we may be able to rejoice in those convicting things as well as those guiding things that will help us, Lord, to grow in our knowledge of you and to help us change in those areas that we need to change. So God bless it. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, the reading of God's Word comes in Proverbs 14, beginning in verse number 1. The Scripture says, a wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox." <laughs> A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. Go from the presence of a foolish man, when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil will bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. 
The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and His children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, to, to turn one away from the snares of death. In a multitude of people there is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. With this, we have the reading of our Lord's Word in Proverbs 14. It's a really exciting chapter, actually, as several uh, very pointed things that, that jump right off the page. At least they jump off the page to me. There may be other things that jump off the page to you, but that's the beauty of being able to study this chapter. So <laughs> we look at it uh, from the perspective backward to forward in verse number 34, as we've just finished reading that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Well, at this particular verse of 34, we've got to decide for ourselves what the concept of righteousness is and what the concept of sin is. And of course, if we're going to decide for ourselves what the concept of righteousness is, then we're going to make those things that, that maybe our particular party are doing right now as being those things righteous and the sin being what the opposing political party is is doing in the disagreement with what our political party is doing. So if we decide that uh, this nation ought to be a nation righteous right now because the Democrats are in control and that all those things that Republicans are trying to do are sin because they're fighting against our particular political party, then we've completely destroyed this nation already because our standard of righteousness is not holy. Our standard of righteousness is a political party. It is not God. It is man. And so anytime that your standard of righteousness is going to be man, if you wanted to flip the coin on that and, and say that the, the Republican Party's ideals are what is righteous and the Democrats are what is sin, and so the reason why our nation is in a reproach right now is because it's being run by sin, because it's being run by, by uh, people bent on doing evil because they don't agree with what we believe to be righteous. And this is what happens 
when a person's God becomes their political party in, in any country, really, but just here in the United States, as much as people want to say that they worship God, the reality is, is that they're focused on Fox News or they're focused on CNN or one of the news channels, and they're watching the things that they're being fed by these different channels, and they're, they're, they're getting upset, they're getting incensed they're, because their particular political party, whether they're Democrat or Republican, is either doing well or doing poorly, and they're blaming the other side, and they're constantly talking about how wicked one side is and how good the other side's trying to do. And when, when this is the case, the, the Lord God of heaven from the word of God, and that, that's not your God. Your God is whatever party you're, you're, you're ranting over. <laughs> and so you, you would come to this verse number 34 here and say, righteousness exalts a nation. And you would say, ah, oh, this nation is not exalted because it's not being led in righteousness. And you would be absolutely correct. But then the premise would fall apart because you would take it to political affiliations and say, ah, oh, if it was only run by the Republicans or, ah, oh, if those stinking Republicans would only just do everything that the Democrats are trying to do because I'm all in for the Democrat Party either side, you're missing the point of righteousness for within man as is clearly proven not this administration and previous administrations like the Bush administration and the Republican side should show you that there's not but sin rife within mankind. And, and everything that each of these administrations are trying to do is always being offset by a, a, an opposing force, and rightly so, because when man tries to have everything that man wants, he's ultimately going to drive himself into the direction of sin and is going to collapse, going to crush the nation. And so we know that if God be lifted up, now this isn't something that's going to happen through a political party because a political party has an agenda, it has a platform, it has a direction in which it desires to go, and that is the depth of its movement. That is the depth of its ability. It cannot exude a righteousness as it was because God is not... In the frontlets of its eyes, as a political affiliation, God is not in this party's eyes. This party has an idea about the way they want the world to be, the way they want the nation to be, the way they want their people to be. And they're executing this agenda that they've built up based on the plans that they have formulated together. But never are you going to find righteousness exalting a nation through a political party. Never are you going to find righteousness being exalted through a pure Republican control. Never are you going to find righteousness exuded through a pure Democrat controls. We're feeling that today. Because these political parties, they don't have the ability to exude righteousness based on their own platforms, based on their own agendas. They can't do it. The righteousness that a nation will be exalted by will be the individual. It will be we the people. That's why our founding fathers documented up this constitution the way it is made. It's the only constitution of its kind in the whole entire world. 
this as being a constitutional republic is the first time that, that a democratic government had ever been established in the way in which the U.S. has been established, and no other government's been able to survive uh, with its, its own constitutions as long as the United States has. The average running length of time for a constitution in any given country is only 17 years, Whereas our founding fathers, led by divine providence from Almighty God, had established a constitution that has lasted 245 years uh, to this point. You, no other nation can, can say that they had that. Why? Because at the foundation of our nation and the building up of its constitution well before you ever have these Democrat parties, these Republican parties, the Whig parties, the Federalist parties, the Soilist parties, well before you have all of that mess, you have a group of people having suffered such tyranny under a monarchical-based government that they they sought for every means under divine guidance from Almighty God, regardless of what you've been taught about these people being non-religious whatsoever. is a complete total lie. All of them, all of them, Thomas Jefferson of them, Ben Franklin of them, all of them called upon Almighty God for divine guidance as to what to do with this nation. And hallelujah, even before every session, prayer would be lifted up in that place. And that was called upon, by the way, by Benjamin Franklin himself, is recognizing that when they were in a revolution, that, that they needed that the divine help from God and in crying out for for his mercy and thus now that they are uh, an independent and separate nation from England all the more they need divine guidance from God to establish this country so very important to understand where righteousness exalts a nation is when that nation's people cry out to God, not the political parties, not the, not the idealist parties and all of these other things, not the professors in the colleges and their ideals, and that's where all of your Marxism and communism is being born in the universities of our country. None of those places we're dealing directly with a people who get right with God. And that is going to exalt a nation. That is going to challenge politicians to live in a more pure standard. That, the constituents of a county, the constituents of a state, the constituents of this nation becoming more solid in their foundation of fearing God and keeping His commandments. That's what's going to change this nation. That's what's going to change the way that, that our, our whole political spectrum works. When we return unto the Lord and lift up God's righteousness as the standard by which we are going to live, they, in either political party, are going to have to change because when we uphold the righteous standard of God's law before them, either they must change or they can be voted out.
So I love this point as the righteousness of God indeed through his children will exalt a nation. But it's, it doesn't even have to be expounded upon that sin is a reproach to any people. Look at our nation today as it is governed by sin, as it is rife with sin, people doing whatever they want which is pleasing in their own eyes right now. We, we have such insanity of sin happening in our nation right now that we honestly, and I'm, I'm saying we as concerning the Christian community, I'm not even talking about the lost world. Of course, they're going to be strife with sin. Of course, they're going to be reveling in it because that's all they have to revel in. They know not the, the difference between what is good and what is evil. They only have evil to to chase after, for the natural man cannot perceive the things of God, neither can he know them. They are spiritually discerned, as found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And so we understand that, that indeed, with this, this nation, it's the acceptance of sin from the Christians that have allowed it to get this nuts. The reason why we stand as such a reproach to the world today is because the children of God have become acceptable and comfortable to sin. And that we would actually consider a multitude of sin to be that which we've decided to be good and that we would then take people who preach against it as being evil because we wanted those things to be good, that we would alter the word of God from within our own hearts to alter the word of God in our land to try and justify things that cannot be justified as good. Yet because we want them to be acceptable now or we want them to be okay because we, we like people who are engrossed in those sins or we want, we, we want to be more equitable, we alter the word of God and thus bring a reproach to this people. So, that's very powerful just in one verse, isn't it? I love verse number 30. Verse number 30 of Proverbs 14 connects directly with verse number 34 because it's the soundness of the heart. In verse number 30, he says, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones, you know, uh, being of sound mind, and this is something that we talk about, especially in our modern day. We have a lot of, lot more cases of autism or, or difficulties with dementia and things of that nature, and so people are very wary of of being accused of of forgetting things or being accused of having dementia, Alzheimer's, so that that other family members in their wickedness can take over their possessions and. And, and try to become a power of attorney over them to be able to, to decide what if they're capable of making decisions or not. And this is the concept of a sound mind. Well, the sound mind is in connection to the heart. And the only way that that is possible is if the Lord be in your heart to give you that wisdom through the Holy Spirit to be able to know truly 
what is good from what is evil. And so that we can recognize that because when we come to verse number 34, we see that that righteousness exalts a nation, but a sin is a reproach to any people. It is of the soundness of the heart that brings life to the body to be able to bring forth the righteousness that is being spoken of there. Uh, so needless to say, this Proverbs 14, this is just a fantastic uh, chapter. Consider verse number 27 for a moment. In that the scripture says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Well, indeed, that fear of the Lord is a fountain of life because of the recognition. If you go all the way back to Proverbs chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. If you go Throughout the first four chapters of Proverbs, it's going to continually speak about the fear of the Lord being that that nugget that brings us to wisdom and the recognition of that word fear as we have studied it through in several several different places of Scripture is a recognition as much as being that, that position of reverence, but literally that position of trembling, that, that position of recognizing the the strength and the the majesty recognizing god for who he is as creator of all things and that indeed just like it would be said over in the book of james in chapter number two that you believe in one god you do well but the devils believe also and they tremble it's that position of trembling it's that position of understanding who God is and what his authority over all of his creation is that brings us to a fountain of life because it turns us away from the snares of death. Indeed, the wages of sin is death, and so the snares of death is sin. And, and recognizing our, our trembling before the Lord of those things which he has told us not to do, it should be fairly cut and dry. It should be very simple that if we indeed feared the Lord, that it would be a fountain of life to us. It would actually be a great blessing to us is because we, when we would consider sin, when we would consider those things of our flesh that we desire and we would think upon the Lord, we would immediately shut those things down as understanding that, that these are offenses to our Almighty God. And if we were to go after those things which He deems to be offensive to Him, that we would immediately recognize the destruction that would be possible to overcome us. And in that fear, we would have, uh, like it says in verse number 26 of Proverbs 14, in that fear, we would have strength of confidence. We would have a strong confidence because we know this is not pleasing to God. And when, when the friends we have around us be like, hey, let's go, let's go drinking or hey, let's go get into some kind of trouble tonight. What do you say? It would be so easy for us in the strength of our confidence of knowing our God. It would be so easy for us in that fountain of life to say, forget that, guys. I don't roll that way anymore. I'm not doing those things anymore. I, I, those things offend my Father in heaven, and I, I want to be pleasing to Him. I'm not going to get into all of that trash anymore. 
And so that in the fear of the Lord, not only is there strong confidence and not only will we have a place where we can always turn to, a place where we can always go to, uh, it says, and his children will have a place of refuge in verse 26. In the fear of the Lord, not only do we have the confidence of knowing that the choices that we make as we seek to honor our Father are going to be good choices that are going to exalt a nation because that righteousness of, of the Lord in the fear of his people is always going to exalt a nation, that we would turn away from the, the, the snares of death, we would turn from the wickedness within our flesh and, and the sin that, that could beset us, we turn away from those things that were not a reproach uh, of, uh, before God. And, and it's very important for us to, to connect all of these things together. We look up uh, a little bit further and and it's interesting that the distance between the poor man and the rich man is recognized in verse number 20. As people would say, well, wait a minute, what is the deal with the poor man being hated by his own neighbor and the rich having many friends? We would think immediate thoughts in our heads. Rich people only have friends because of their money. But why is the poor being despised? But there and again... We've got the concept as drawn up in our own minds as concerning the way that we see the world. We see the rich as those being wealthy, those those being uh, exuberant with their with their finances and and having much revenue. We see the poor as a people living in a box on a street that have nothing. But this isn't the reality at all. The reality at all is is like what Jesus would say in the Beatitudes, right? The very first Beatitude is recognized in Matthew chapter 5 is what? But the blessed are the poor in spirit. So we see that there is a concept of, of poverty. There's a concept of being poor and there's a concept of being rich that the Lord brings out. And, and indeed, a poor man is hated even by his own neighbor because that, that poor man that is being referred to here is one that is not wealthy in, in character. It's one that is not wealthy in kindness, one that is not wealthy in, in that, that stature of a person that is lovely to be around. So the poor man at this, this point is not as concerning the status of his wealth, but is as concerning the, the character of the person. And indeed, a person of poor character, regardless of how rich they are, is going to be hated even by their own neighbors. Even by their own neighbors. But the rich, when we consider the rich as in terms of character, a, a person who is lovely to be around, a person who is genuine and generous with their life and their, what goods they have, a person who, who is godly in their character is going to have many friends. They're going to be rich. Be, not because they have all this abundance of wealth and, and possession, but they're rich because they, they have all kinds of beautiful connections of people that are around them. So we've got to consider the difference today about the way we think about what poor is and what rich is as concerning the majority of times in the scripture when it's referring to things like poor and rich. It's not referring to a status of of society or a position of wealth is referring to a connection of character. And that's pretty important. We come up 
to uh, verse number 17. Does it need any more introduction than this reality? A quick-tempered man acts foolishly. <laughs> and a man of wicked intentions is hated. No question about it. Uh, there is, of course, other places throughout the Proverbs that tell us that a calm heart, that, that a cool head is is always appreciated among the people but but how many times have we already from proverbs 1 out here to proverbs 14 see how many times have we seen how a quick-tempered person will will act foolishly and in the foolishness of their actions their their intentions or their 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 activities are going to be hated a person that acts impulsively or reactively is always going to be in a position of overreacting in many cases. And when a person overreacts to a situation, of course they're going to draw the the ire of the people that they're reacting against. And it generally never works out very well. So some of these Proverbs, as I said at the very beginning, is, is real simple. <laughs> you can just read it and, it and it testifies to you right off. Uh, for instance, verse number 15, The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. One of the things that the, the Apostle Paul loved more than anything else about the Berean people over in the book of Acts is that when he came into the town of Berea and he went into the synagogue, he, of course, was going to uh, proclaim the gospel to this synagogue. But the Bereans as they, they would listen to the Apostle Paul in his teachings about how Jesus fulfills the, the prophecies and how Jesus is the fulfillment of, of even what the Talmud would, would testify as concerning the Messiah son of Joseph as also the Messiah son of David, that that he, he would expound unto them how Jesus embodies both of these ideas of a Messiah to come in himself and satisfies the whole of prophecy and scripture. In fact, satisfies the Torah. And, and so instead of the Berean people just immediately throwing Paul out and considering him evil and, and saying that he's, he's a wicked man, they studied the, the teachings that Paul gave. They, they combed through the prophecies of, of the books of the prophets and they, they looked through Torah and, and they studied as concerning the connection of the law to Jesus. And they, they studied the whole matter of Paul's dissertation in the town of Berea. They studied the whole matter out and they came to a position of believing in Jesus as the Messiah. And so that particular synagogue there in Berea actually became a messianic uh, congregation of believers because they, they studied the matter out instead of just saying, well, that's not Jewish and throwing Paul out the door. And so, as revealed in verse number 15 here of Proverbs 14, the simple believe every word, but the prudent will consider his steps. 
simple people say, oh, well, what they said sounded good, so I'm just going to agree with them. <laughs> and and those kinds of people are easily swayed and or led in any direction that a people want to take them. It's kind of like the multitudes that were at the trial of Jesus that were crying out, crucify him. I'm certain that the majority of those people had no idea, of the, even the people that they would be crying out to crucify. They're, they're just a group of people in, engrossed in a moment, incensed by, by the crowd, and they're just right along with them, being simple and shouting without consideration. But the, the prudent is one who's always going to think before he leaps, as it was. He's always going to be considering those things which has been told, perhaps studying those things that were not fully understood. So as to gain a full understanding before making a statement, before making a decision. And so the difference between the simple and the prudent is that position of study, is that position of consideration. Verse number 14, another uh, pure example here, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Uh, be filled with his own ways. And this, this often is an occurrence with us because we have the nature of the flesh that we do have to contend with. The nature of our heart be the nature of God, be the desire for God, be the, the want for the things of God. But we have this flesh to live in. And Romans chapter number 7 is the champion chapter about that that nature of the flesh versus the nature of the the godliness of spirit that it dwells within us and there is a challenge always between the two natures is that they are at war with each other when a person has yet to be saved they only have one nature existent in them that is the nature of sin and the, and the desires and passions and wants the lust of the eyes lust of the flesh the pride of life that is what solely drives a human being because as they are conceived in iniquity and born in in sin and they come in a corrupted state that's all that they have when the gospel comes to that heart and when the transformation of regeneration takes place inside of them, they become saved. The Holy Spirit moves into them and seals them, one, unto the day of their redemption, but also begins an effectual work inside of them to transform them by the renewing of their mind. At this point, the, the reality of the nature of our flesh comes to the, the foresight, we begin to understand that we're sinners. We begin to understand the sin nature, the desire in our flesh. At said time, we, we have choices that we have to make. We have, we have a battle on our hands every moment of every day because the desires of our former nature are going to become even stronger now that we have the Lord God living within us by the Holy Spirit. They're going to be amplified because they're going to be paid attention to for the first time in, in our existence. And, and when you understand something, that thing becomes amplified to you. For instance, you, you buy a car and you, the model of your car you now see everywhere. Whereas before you bought that particular kind of car, you really didn't see that car anywhere. 
But now that, that your eye was caught by that car and, and it was enough for you to desire that, so you bought that car, now you see that car everywhere. And, and it, oddly enough, you see the different colors you wish you could have had in that car in those other cars everywhere. Uh, same thing is, is exemplified by, by us. We, we ended up purchasing this minivan. And we we have for minivans go we we have had gold that that's been our choices. Now would we have liked that that teal color or or red color or black or or even silver or what whatever color it, it doesn't matter. We end up with gold. <laughs> and when you pull into a parking lot, we had to put stickers on the back of our glass of our van because when you pull into a parking lot, there's 25 gold minivans that are exactly like ours. But that's because we we see them now that we have them. And that that's important to, to recognize is because this concept of a backslider and heart being filled with his own ways is that oftentimes this backslider doesn't recognize that they've fallen away from God. That because that they they are constantly seeing, remember that sin that, that when the Holy Spirit moves in, it becomes amplified before us, that that the regularity of seeing their desire and, and just nipping at the edge of it, kind of like Lot was when he looked and he saw that the plains were good towards Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities were over there. He camped outside the city, but the next chapter you see him in the city sitting in the gates, being a, a prominent person within the cities. So this is the way that we are drawn away from God and into the nature of our corruption once more, even though that we've received Christ and we've been delivered from that nature and that the Holy Spirit dwells within us to reveal that nature and to cause us to be able to see it so that we can fight against it. Yet, because it's amplified in, in our sight, we, we often will trip up into it and, and fall away from God by sliding back into those things that are, that are wicked. And that will end up causing us not to be filled with, with the right desires that God would have us, like towards our wife, towards the church, towards the the evangelism and the service of God. All of these things would be right things and good things and holy things for us to get involved with. But when we're we're back into our uh, parties and we're back into our gaming and we're back into these other things that draw us away from all of the precious things that the Lord has given us, then we end up with this situation where we have backslidden. We, we've fallen away. We've been filled with our own ways which are those ways of corruption and sin and we're not good people anymore because <laughs> good people are satisfied with god good people are satisfied with the things of god that he's put into their lives are satisfied with their wives are satisfied with their children are satisfied with the house of god satisfied with the word of god satisfied with the things of god and the service of god and that that's what satisfies them if if none of those things bring satisfaction to your soul you are either filled with your own ways and have fallen away from god you need to repent get right or you're lost and lying about being a christian because a true child of god is satisfied by the things of god and the people that god has put into their life 
But that testifies to verse number 12 as well, as we, we come to a conclusion of these beautiful Proverbs. In, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Why? Because the backslider in heart is filled with his own ways, is recognized in verse 14, and that way that seems right to that man is the, the way of backsliding being filled with his own desires, and that is going to bring him to the gates of death. It's going to bring him to the position of death. A good man's going to be satisfied from God. <laughs> But as we can see that those ways that we feel or we want to be right, those things that we desire to be right, as we have deemed them so by our own volition, are those things which are going to call us to fall away from God and which are going to lead us into the ways of death. So many beautiful uh, uh, Proverbs. For instance, Proverbs 14 and verse number 6, A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. Uh, the reason why the person is understanding, remember that you have in Proverbs chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 7, that wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, but with all you're getting, gain understanding. Well, knowledge is easy to him who understands because of the fear of the Lord. He's going to consider everything in the light of Christ. Of course, it's going to be easily understood. But he says a scoffer seeks wisdom and cannot find it because a scoffer is constantly scoffing at all of the things that, that are purported to them to be wisdom. A scoffer has no wisdom because they're constantly cutting down everything that anyone else is saying. And in that they're constantly looking for loopholes, they're constantly looking for ways to disprove or ways to challenge or ways to disagree or ways to destroy. I anyone else is ideas that they never have any ideas of their own because the scoffer can never find wisdom. They can never know anything. And by the way, it tells us over in the in the book of 1 Peter in chapter number 3, beginning about verse number 5, that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the idea of, of Messiah, mocking the idea of Christ. And they do that in boatloads in our modern day today. So it's some things to consider here in Proverbs chapter number 14. And I pray that God would bless you through this time that we've had together in the consideration of this chapter and that, uh, that the Lord would just bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Father, we thank you, praise you, asking your blessing upon us this day that we may connect these Proverbs verses together in our hearts that we may be able to see the reality of them and enjoy the whole chapter. Lord, there's always a way that's going to seem right to us, but we have to, to be wise in paying attention to the end of those ways as if they are not the ways of the Lord that would be satisfying to our soul that we would discover that they would bring us close to death. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom to understand that your righteousness is what's going to work through us to exalt this nation. But as it stands, indeed, the sin of this nation is a reproach to all of its people. And that we pray that you will, you will help us through this day as understanding these very important truths that we may grow thereby in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. 
Well, we'll catch you guys tomorrow doing a little bit of 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, I believe we'll be in tomorrow. So show up and enjoy it with me and we'll, we'll cut through her. Take care, guys.